Welcome to the Florida Bar Podcast, where we highlight the latest trends in law office and law practice management to help you run your law firm. Brought to you by the Florida Bar's Practice Resource Institute. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello, and welcome to the Florida Bar Podcast, brought to you by Legal Fuel, the Practice Resource Center of the Florida Bar on Legal Talk Network. We're so glad you're joining us. This is Christine Bilbury. I'm a Senior Practice Management Advisor at the Florida Bar and one of the hosts for today's show, which is being recorded from our offices in Tallahassee, Florida. Hello, I'm Carla Eckhart. I'm a Practice Management Advisor at the Florida Bar and a co-host of today's podcast. Our goal at the Practice Resource Center is to assist Florida attorneys with running the business side of their law practices. We focus on a different topic each month and carry that theme through our website with related tips, videos, and articles. So this month, we are discussing the Florida Board of Bar Examiners. And joining us today are Missy Gavani, Executive Director of the Florida Board of Bar Examiners, and Scott Baina, Chair of the Florida Board of Bar Examiners. Missy Gavani has served as the Executive Director of the Florida Board of Bar Examiners in Tallahassee since 2006. From 1995 through 2006, she served as Director of Examinations for the Board, supervising the preparation, administration, and grading of the general bar examination to over 5,000 applicants annually. She began her career at the Florida Board of Bar Examiners in 1989 as an investigative analyst. She has served as the Chair of the Council of Bar Admission Administrators and currently serves as a member of the Florida Bar's Student Education and Admission to the Bar Committee and the Standing Committee on Professionalism, the Supreme Court of Florida's Commission on Professionalism and Civility, and she is also the 2018-2019 Chair of the National Conference of Bar Examiners. Scott Baina began his term as chair of the Florida Board of Bar Examiners this past November and will serve until October of 2019. His year-long term as chair culminates five years of Board of Bar Examiner service that began when the Supreme Court appointed him in 2014. He was previously on the Florida Bar Board of Governors and served on the Florida Bar Foundations Board from 97 through 2000. Scott has also served as the chair of the business law section and currently serves on the Senior Lawyers Committee of the Florida Bar. He attended George Washington University, where he received his BBA and Juris Doctor degrees. Scott is a founding partner in Bilson, Sumberg, Baina, Price, and Axelrod in Miami. Welcome to the show, Missy and Scott. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us. It's quite the honor. So we find that many people are not aware that the Florida Bar, which is where Carl and I work, and the Florida Board of Bar Examiners are actually two separate entities. Can you describe the main functions of the Florida Board of Bar Examiners for our listeners? Sure. Uh, We have that confusion regularly at our office as well. The Florida Board of Bar Examiners is an agency of the Supreme Court. It was created back in 1955 to implement the rules regulating bar admission. So everything related to somebody coming into Florida, wanting to practice in Florida, and wanting to be admitted to the Florida Bar goes through the Florida Board of Bar Examiners. Our main functions are to complete a character and fitness investigation of everybody who is applying for admission to the Florida Bar, and then to administer and grade the Florida bar examination. Great. And so 
the flip side of that is if you read the Florida Bar's core functions, we are here to regulate the practice of law in Florida, ensure the highest standards of legal professionalism in Florida, and protect the public by prosecuting unethical attorneys and preventing the unlicensed practice of law. So you get them first, and then then we get them. So, right. um, And so when I look at your website, it looks like the board has a lot of responsibilities on your end of things. Um, it says that you have to make sure that the applicants meet the requirements on character, fitness, education, all these different things. Technical competence. Yes. So when you're, it's saying the board does this, and I know the board's very busy, but do you have a large staff at the Board of Bar Examiners? Do you have the people that are doing this on a day-to-day basis full-time? So our office is located in Tallahassee, Florida. Um, we have a staff of about 50 employees that work full-time. The majority of their time is spent year-round uh, completing the character and fitness investigations, and then we administer the bar exam twice a year. So uh, for the months leading up to the February and the July bar exam, a good bit of our time is is focused on preparing for the administration and then the grading that follows. And then what specific roles, um, Scott, do the board members, what are they required to do in that role? The uh, board members actually spend most of their time uh, dealing with character and fitness investigations and determinations. We review those files that are uh, identified by bar staff as having uh, some feature to them, some occurrence in the applicant's past uh, that warrants further investigation. We uh, operate as a three-person uh, character and fitness committees. Those committees will make uh, recommendations as to the disposition of those cases. Some will go to investigative hearings, some will be cleared, uh, and some may require further investigation. Once they pass through that process, the cases may be diverted to more formal hearings after the issuance of specifications based upon the investigation that was performed uh, by the board. The board members will sit as a panel and uh, hear those cases as well. On the exam side, um, board members uh, may be involved through membership on a questions committee with the development of questions that are posed on uh, the bar exam. We build up an inventory of those questions, and they will uh, inevitably uh, be asked to uh, attend the exam and proctor it. And in addition, um, participate in grading sessions uh, where the readers that we employ to review the exams attempt to develop a rhythm, if you will, uh, with how to uh, score the examinations. So speaking about the exam, you mentioned you develop the questions. How often is the bar exam updated and do any rule changes affect uh, the questions while you know being developed? Rule and, and law changes uh, are critical uh, to the uh, development of questions. Uh, as the law changes, we obviously need to either revise or uh, reject questions that were based on formal law. We, as I said, develop an inventory, so questions could be sitting in the hopper waiting to be asked for quite some time, and there is the possibility that the law will change. And we do address that. I also read where you said that 
you said, I think the real accomplishment that we've had in the four years I've been on the board is moving applications through the process much more quickly. If a person has sat for the exam, how long does the rest of the process take generally? Well, you know, the demarcation point really from our standpoint uh, is much earlier than that. We, we start measuring the time it takes to process from the time an application is filed. Uh, by the time somebody has taken the bar exam, in all likelihood, they've been cleared uh, for character and fitness. And once they take the bar exam, at that point, all they're waiting for are their grades. We process grades very quickly. Uh, I alluded earlier to the uh, grading sessions that we have. Those actually happen the same week that the examination is administered. Um, wow. and, uh, and our our scoring begins that same week. Um, on the multi-state portion of the exam, which is developed for us and other jurisdictions that embrace it uh, by the National Conference of Bar Examiners, they grade that exam. Uh, and so we're, we're at uh, uh, their pleasure. And I think we obviously are able to uh, uh, move ours a little bit faster than theirs. Right. So a person's applying, are they a 1L, they're a 2L, so they're going to start the application process and you're already going to be doing their background check. Do they know if there are problems in their background that you're uh, looking into before they ever sit for the exam? They, yes, they ordinarily do. If there is a problem, they will ordinarily know about it. Fantastic. They might not, they might not be able to take the exam until the problem okay. is right. okay. corrected. And, and, and speaking again about the exam, we have members calling to ask for their scores, you know, because they obviously don't understand the division between the Board of Bar Examiners and Florida Bar. Um, so what information does the Board of Bar Examiners maintain and what data is then transmitted to the bar with regard to the exam? So for applicants, if they would like to get scores, because uh, we will report their scores when we release them to them, and all applicants will receive their scaled scores on both components of the exam, whether it's the Florida portion or the multi-state bar exam portion, they receive those scores directly from us when we release the results. If down the road somebody who took the exam previously wants to uh, obtain that information, they can write to our office and give us the date uh, that they took the exam and ask us for that information. We will research it and provide that information in the future. What we uh, maintain in our office is all of the information regarding the, the uh, character and fitness investigation and those bar exam results. They have different retention policies, uh, but when we recommend somebody for admission because the Florida Board of Bar Examiners does not admit anybody to the Florida Bar. That's the Supreme Court of Florida's jurisdiction. So we will make a recommendation to the Supreme Court. When the Supreme Court approves those recommendations, then we send the oath of attorney to the applicants, they execute it, and then we will uh, report their name, their contact information, we then submit that information to the Florida Bar so that you all have that information for membership records and to be able to issue to the newly licensed attorney their Florida Bar number. 
And that's when our relationship with them begins. So I'm glad that you made that point that it also travels through the Supreme Court. I serve as the bar staff person for the Mental Health and Wellness of Florida Lawyers Committee. So in that capacity, we've had quite a number of law students who communicated that they were apprehensive about seeking counseling because they didn't know how that would impact the bar examiner's character and fitness screening of the applicants. This came up over and over again. And Scott, I read an article where you stated no law student should avoid mental health counseling because they are concerned about how it will affect the bar admission process. What does the Florida Bar application ask about an applicant's mental health? And I, I want to point out that there has been a clarification, so a little bit different wording on the application now. Can you talk to the, our listeners about that? Sure. Um, just recently, we amended our application to deal with the situation that you alluded to, and uh, that is people not seeking treatment for fear that they need to disclose that to us, and that disclosure will impair or disable their application. So the point of the uh, revision was to make it absolutely clear that first, we encourage treatment of anybody that requires it. And second, that there are conditions, mental conditions for which treatment is uh, sought that we are not even interested in being apprised about. We do not seek information in respect of anxiety uh, treatment, uh, stress treatment, uh, grief counseling. Uh, what we're more concerned about are, you know, psychotic disorders uh, like schizophrenia, mood disorders, uh, bipolar uh, disorders, major depressive disorders, conditions that could impair an applicant's ability to practice law. Those they are required by the new question to advise us of having received any treatment for. Perfect. And so, and I think that this is one of those things that everyone talks about. If you're practicing law, you are probably experiencing stress and anxiety. If you're a law student, <laughs> you're you experiencing, experiencing stress and anxiety. Right. right. So, I mean, any, any grief exactly. counseling, that's yeah. just life. And the other thing that plagues some attorneys is substance abuse. That comes up a lot. So, what is the Florida Bar application asking about substance abuse? Because I think there was a clarification on question 26 as well. So item 26 of our new application, and this went into effect on November 1st of 2018, actually now asks for disclosure of any treatment for or a recurrence of a substance-related disorder that could impair someone's ability to practice law. And then, again, just for our listeners to know, this all goes back to now the Florida Bar's sort of purpose and goal, which is to protect the public. But at the same time, we don't want for young attorneys or young law students to feel like there's some kind of stigma behind uh, having certain anxiety or stress-related issues. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why this was so important and why it's been such a hot topic recently. Speaking to the admission now, uh, what is a conditional admission? So let's say someone maybe does say that they've suffered from substance abuse in the past or whatnot, when they are conditionally admitted, what does that mean? Okay. First of all, if I could clarify that, I'll talk about what conditional admission is, but I do want to note that 
just because somebody answers affirmatively to either the mental health question or the substance use question does not mean that they would only be a candidate for conditional admission. There are plenty okay. of applicants who answer in the affirmative and following the, the course of the investigation, they are admitted unconditionally for admission to the bar. Wonderful. Perfect. But conditional admission is a program that was adopted in Florida um, back in the mid-1980s, so it's been around for quite a while. Uh, We were one of the first jurisdictions to implement conditional admission. So conditional admission is there to allow somebody who does have uh, substance use or certain mental health conditions or both to be conditionally admitted for a period of time. Uh, During that period of time, If they comply with those conditions, then they can be conditions like maintaining their sobriety. A lot of this goes through Florida lawyers' assistance, um, and they will monitor and ensure that they have the support they need uh, to be successful as they are entering the practice of law. But to be clear, those who are dealing with an abuse problem, uh, they must be sober before they can be conditionally admitted for a period of at least six months. Okay. And then there's a few instances. So generally, the person is going to apply to the Florida Board of Bar Examiners. They're going to take the exam. They pass. They get passed over to us. Now we're regulating um, their actual practice of law. But every once in a while, and you'll see this in each edition of the Florida Bar News, each one typically has a few disbarred attorneys that are seeking readmission. So tell us about the role that Florida Board of Bar Examiners has, because I know that I've seen that you had to issue recommendations about these disbarred attorneys when they're seeking readmission. What's the role that uh, you play in that? Disbarred attorneys need to reapply for admission, and they do so through us. And they must demonstrate that they have been rehabilitated. Um, Or if there was um, uh, money involved, uh, that they've made restitution. Uh, They appear before us for a formal hearing. It's a public hearing. Anybody could attend. Uh, And they make their case. After they've done so, a panel of the board will determine uh, and the board will review the determination by that panel uh, whether the, uh, the candidate is suitable for a recommendation to be readmitted. We Uh, make that recommendation uh, with findings of fact and conclusions of law that are submitted to the court. The court is not constrained to follow our recommendation. Right. Are there ever situations where someone who has been disbarred because maybe it's like such a large period of time has passed that they would have to retake the exam? Yes. All disbarred attorneys, when they reapply, because Our bar exam results by rule are only valid for a period of five years. Once they've been admitted um, and, of course, disbarred and the disbarment period is generally five years or even longer, um, those prior bar results would not be valid and they would have to retake and pass the bar exam as well. This is a do-over, if you will. Uh, They go through the same process, except they have the additional burden of proving rehabilitation. Okay, That, that makes it very clear. Finally, I want to talk about the new military spouse rule. We just found out that we have our first application. So because Florida doesn't have reciprocity, this had been a kind of a long time coming because military uh, members get stationed in Florida. And if they have a spouse who is a practicing lawyer from another state, they weren't allowed to practice here. So what 
role do you have in that? Are these applicants, do they just apply for the background check or are they taking the bar exam? What happens um, now that we're entering this new role as of September 17th of the past year? The military spouse rule is a rule under the rules regulating the Florida bar, but there's a companion rule in the rules relating to admission to the bar to set a fee for military spouses to apply under the Florida bar's new rule. What that means is that they will apply with the Florida Board of Bar Examiners and we will complete the character and fitness investigation and issue a clearance as to their character and fitness, but they do not apply to take the bar examination. So once that character and fitness investigation has been completed, and we do those on an expedited basis because we do recognize the time sensitivity for a military spouse that is being relocated here because of their their, their spouse's military obligations. Uh, so we do those on an expedited basis, and then as soon as we issue them that notice of clearance, we report that information to the Florida Bar so that they can complete the remaining requirements to receive that authorization to practice. We should probably point out as well that if permitted to practice law in the state of Florida under the military spouse rule, uh, that attorney must be employed by a Florida law firm or must have a mentor who's admitted to the Florida bar. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Thank you. And then and they can only practice as long as their spouse is officially stationed within Florida. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And there is a time limitation that it can't go beyond five years. Okay. Okay. Thank you for clarifying you. that. Well, I've learned a lot today. I appreciate you being here. We've reached the end of our program. Thank you, Missy Gavani and Scott Baina, for joining us today. Thank you again for the opportunity. Thank you, Christine. Thank you, Carla. Oh, thank you. And if our listeners have questions, how do they get more information on, on this topic about the Florida Board of Bar Examiners? So the first thing I would encourage people to do is visit our website, which is uh, floridabarexam.org. Anybody who's interested in seeking admission can go through the website. We have checklists for law students. We have checklists for practicing attorneys coming from another jurisdiction uh, that will walk them through the entire application process. They can also contact us by phone. We can answer any you know specific questions to an individual about our process and which of the rules and which checklist is the appropriate one so that we can assist them with that. Perfect. So if you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts. Join us next time for another episode of the Florida Bar Podcast brought to you by Legal Fuel, the practice resource center of the Florida Bar on Legal Talk Network. I'm Christine Bilbury. And I'm Carla Eckhart. Until next time, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the Florida Bar Podcast brought to you by the Florida Bar's Practice Resource Institute and produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find the Florida Bar, the Florida Bar Practice Resource Institute, and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.